How's it going? We're back. It's me, Carla. Me, Phil. And it's Terrifying and Twisted. Episode 22. It is. It seems like forever. I know we're a little bit behind, but it does seem like forever. Doesn't it? Yeah. We have been up to much. We watched Darts World Grand Prix. Yeah, darts were back. We enjoy darts, don't we? Yeah, we wanted Johnny Clayton to win and he ended up winning, so... Nice surprise instead of Gerwin. That were good. Recommendations this week, Carla. Shut up. Don't look at me with that small look on my face. Come on. Squid Game. I enjoyed it. I'm not going to sit and lie. I refused to watch it to start with. Yeah. Because I'm good at that, you see. When everybody jumps on something, and that's all I see on social media, I back off from it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I give in. I watched it. I, I enjoyed it. I watched it on my own first. Yeah, you did. It was a dubbed thing for me as well. I'm not a massive... Like, I can't get into Money Ice for that reason. Yeah. Um, But I have got to admit, once you start watching it, you soon forget and you stop noticing the dubbed, don't you? Yeah. So, apparently, it's Netflix's number one most viewed. We've just seen a post uh, saying that it's had 111 million... Accounts. Yeah. Watch it. And the one before that was Bridgerton, wasn't it? Yeah. So if you haven't watched it, watch it. It's worth watching. I won't say it's absolutely amazing. It's fucking crackers. Yeah, it's a bit It's a bit nuts, but it's definitely worth watching. I've been bulk watching Silent Witness. Yeah, you do love Silent Witness. I, I don't mind watching it. Yeah, so I've been watching that. Uh, also, we watched Brassic Free. Oh, Brassic. So Brassic came back to Sky Max. If you haven't watched Brassic, watch it. It's absolutely brilliant. If you know about Brassic, let us know what you thought of it. Let us know what you think of ending, because I were gutted. Yeah. Oh, I'm a Joe Gilligan fan, and I love him in Brassic. Um, apart from that, I think we started watching a series called Hollet and Drive. Um, that's on ITV. Yeah, we did. It's only two episodes in a minute, so... <clears throat> we haven't really made his mind up on that one, but we have been watching that. We uh, watched the first Angela Black, didn't we? Yeah, that's on ITV on Sundays. And then we... Oh, we've started watching that, um, Could You Solve a Murder? Oh, Murder Island. Murder Island, yeah. Yeah. That's only two episodes in, isn't it? Yeah. But... That's we... Channel 4. We've started that. I've still not made my mind up yet on how I feel about it. Yeah. And apart from that, I've watched uh, Northwater on BBC Two. Uh, it's got Stephen Graham in, Colin Farrell, and Jack O'Connell, who used to be in Skins. That is about a whaling ship in the 1800s. I can't really tell you more than that, but it's worth watching. It's good. Yeah. So if you lot have got any recommendations for us, 
Crow Matters. Yeah, I'm wanting to watch the documentary on Netflix. Is it The 22 Faces of Billy? Yeah. I can't remember his name. It's on his list. But I want to start watching that. And I've also heard really, really good things about the other doc- the other series on Netflix about the young girl in a domestic violence relationship. Or oh, is that that maid? Maid. Yeah, so I want to. I don't think you'll be. I don't think it'll be something you'll be into. But I'll watch it when you go fishing. Yeah. Um. So we'll let you know how that is. Speaking of fishing, I had, <laughs> I had a dr- I had <laughs> I had a drone. Uh. In I've had it for about a year and a half, and I use it. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. And <laughs> I used it for fishing, and it went blip blip blip. It went swimming with jellyfishes. It went swimming in the lake. So. Fucking try to get it back, but no good. That... Apart from that, uh, watching his eldest play rugby. Yep, he's discovered rugby, which, good on him, fantastic. Yeah. So we've now been rugby training, rugby matches. Yeah. He's got another one tonight. Poor kid's knackered, isn't he? Yeah. He's training that much. Yeah. He's, he's knackering himself out. What I do want to mention is such a random fact that Phil pulled me other night and he said to me, Carla, do you know how many different varieties of apples we have? Now, if you don't know this <laughs> fact, just think about it, how many varieties of apples. It's an apple. Is. Yeah. So get a figure in your head. Now, go- now Google it. I can't remember how many I said, but it was nothing. It, it was fucking way off. Yeah. Um, so Google it. And let us know. <laughs> Fucking apples. Yeah, shall I jump straight in? Yeah. I'm first this week. I struggled because... So, let me explain. Obviously, we've had the massive media outlet on the Sarah Everett case, haven't we? Everard yeah. case. So, when choosing my case this week, I came across a news article... And I was going to do this case on another young girl who ended up being stabbed to death by a boyfriend. Or right. she'd, she'd separated from him. And her parents, in her memory, set up something called the Ollie app. And basically, the Ollie app is an app that you download. And if you feel like you're in danger, if you feel like a stranger's following you or whatever, you use this app. Right. I've never heard of it. Yeah. Now, I came across this news article because since the Sarah case, apparently it has been downloaded more than 100,000 times in space of a week. Well. So, I started looking into Holly's story and I was going to do it, but I felt like there wasn't enough information out there for it to for it to be a case. Well, it's still a case. What I mean, though, we like to do a lot of digging in, in backgrounds, don't we? Yeah. This girl was only a very young girl. She was 21 year old, or 20. So it's not like she'd had a lavish lifestyle and what have you. Um, so anyway, I then moved on, and I think you saw who I was Googling, and you went, nope. I know that one. I know that. And then I did it again, and you went, nope. So, I ended up coming across a man called Todd Collar. Todd was born in Florida on the 7th of March, 1971. 
and he were an only child. Todd's parents, William and Regina, it said that up until her getting pregnant with Todd, they were a really happy couple, enjoying life, they travelled quite a lot. But apparently once she'd had Todd, things started to go downhill and by the time he were two, they separated and got a divorce. Todd's mum got full custody and she moved them from Florida to Georgia where they lived for a few years and then they decided to move to South Carolina. She then remarried. She met a man and remarried. Now, I cannot find this man's name anywhere. He's just referred to as Todd's stepdad. All right? Right. So I can't actually find his name. At first, it said that Todd and his stepdad were really close. They had a really good relationship and he even ended up adopting Todd legally. Which is strange because he's adopted this kid and you can't find out his name. Nope. It's honestly everywhere I've looked, I can't find it. So at this point, Todd had not actually seen his real dad for a good few years. Fucking Costa. We asked for a golden caramel fucking latte and they'd give us caramel. I'm sat here supping a shitty caramel one. <laughs> and it don't even taste fucking nice. Fucking Costa. Anyway, so Todd had not seen his real dad for quite a few years and eventually he started to resent his stepdad. He had bad behavioural behaviour and emotional issues. He would lash out a lot and he had really bad anger issues. Now, his mum, Regina, said in interviews that the point in which she realised something wasn't right was an incident that happened on the bus. There was a little girl sat on the bus and she was teasing Todd about his hair. So he decided to take out a pair of scissors and just stabbed her in the leg. Showed no emotion for it, wasn't upset about it. It was just anger, right? So that's when his mum sort of said, I know there's something not right. So when he was nine, he was sent to a mental institution and he spent three months there trying to sort of help his behaviour and understand why he were like he was. And what year is this? Well, he was born in 71. Right, so it's so 80. Yeah. Apparently, it had got to a point where his mum were even to, having to lock him in his bedroom on a night as well as locking herself in her room because he was really unpredictable and she was scared of him, I think. Whilst in this institution, it became clear that Todd had pretty graphic sexual fantasies. Now, he is only nine. That's fucking young to be having sexual fantasies. Yeah. Um... When I were nine, all I were bothered about is my Power Rangers. <laughs> Getting them to do sexual moves to each other. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, like these fantasies, no. No. So, th- three months later, he was discharged. The first thing Todd did when he was released was shoot a dog with a BB gun. Did he kill this dog? No, he hurt the dog, but he didn't kill this dog. But it's not the point. Motherfucker. Todd were described as one of these kids that always thought that he was better than everybody. He always had answer, wouldn't listen to nobody, and he was just a bit of a fucking cocky little prick, wasn't he? To put it bluntly. Things didn't get any better between Todd and his stepdad. Todd somehow um, found out that his real dad were living in Arizona. He made contact with him and he started asking if he could go and live with him. And he even went as far as saying that his stepdad were abusing him. So, of course, his real dad were like, yeah, 
Come live with me, son. Todd obviously began working on his mum, begging her let him to let him go, even telling her that he was going to kill himself if she didn't. So eventually she agreed and said yes. So in 1985, at age of 14, Todd went to Arizona. And it didn't quite live up to expectations. His dad was a raging alcoholic who would have different women over all the time. He were out drinking and partying. He sort of didn't pay any attention to the fact that he had his son living with him and he was supposed to be looking after him. The grass wasn't greener. No. Todd did beg to go back home to his mum. But conveniently, at this point, Regina, she always had an excuse of why it wasn't a good enough time for him to go back right right now. Mm. Just let's wait and see. She's obviously had enough of his bullshit, hasn't she? So, just a year later, in 1986, Todd would commit his first serious crime. When he was 15, there was a girl that lived three doors down from his dad. And it said that he had a massive crush on this girl. But the problem was, she had a boyfriend. She really wasn't interested in Todd like that. Todd thought, I know, if I have sex with her, she'll fall in love with me and I'm, I'll end up with this girl. Is that how it works? Like? Well, according to Todd, that's what he thought. So, on the 25th of November, 1986, Todd goes to her house, he knocks on her door, and he basically tells her that her boyfriend was sat at his house and he wanted to talk to her. This girl obviously questioned it. Um, Todd spun her a load of bullshit. So, she, she agreed. And off she went. But, obviously, her boyfriend wasn't there. And when Todd got her in the house, he handcuffed her. He taped her mouth shut and then he raped her. When he were done, he walked her back to her house with a gun to her back, telling her that if she says a word to anyone, he'll shoot her and her younger siblings. So, obviously, this girl, she's only 14. She's just had this horrific fucking thing happen to her. She's had a life friend, but she still decides, I'm going to go tell somebody. And she went and told her nana. They obviously went to police. Police took statements and gathered evidence. And then they went to Todd's house. They found the handcuffs, they found the tape, and Todd actually admitted what he did. When it went to court, Todd was tried as an adult and he got sentenced to 15 years in prison and he had to be put on the sex offenders register. And he's not very old here, is he? He's only 15. Yeah. So whilst in prison, everybody said that Todd was this model in May, he never caused any problems, got his head down... He even went on to finish his high school in prison and he got two degrees. One in computer science and the other in business. Eventually, Todd was released two years early for good behaviour. And in 2001, when Todd was 30, he decided, I need a career. I'm going to go get my real estate licence. So that's what he did. Now, when Even a, though he was a convicted rapist. Right, so even when applying for these jobs, obviously they do your background check. Yeah. He'd applied for a job, it flagged up, and when they questioned, questioned him about it, Todd basically twisted everything, said that him and this girl was in a relationship and they was happy and having consensual sex. Her dad didn't like him and he reported it. So... He played the victim. Come on in, my friend, you can have a job. 
like you do. Everybody also says that Todd had a way with words, so he literally could just talk himself out of any situation. What's the saying? Out of a wet paper bag. <laughs> it is though, isn't it? So this real estate company took him on. Eventually, Todd decided that he was going to set up his own company and he called this the TKA Agency in South Carolina. He actually had quite a few people working for him. Most did say that he was known as the creepy white guy because of the way he made his female employers feel. He was very sleazy. He'd say awful comments. A sleaze bag, I think. Well, a lot worse than a sleaze bag, actually. <laughs> so... Two years later, in 2003, Todd then went on to commit his second crime, but this actually went unsolved for 13 years. He decided that he's got all this money, he's living this lavish lifestyle, he wants to go and get a motorbike. Now, Todd has no idea how to drive a bike. Ride a bike, not drive a bike. But anyway, he walks into a shop called Superbike Motorsports, um, he explained that he wanted a bike and he was looking at biggest ones there were. It fucking just goes balls deep and, oh, yeah, yeah he's never... past this fucker you've got. Yeah. But I'd, be, he... I'd be like off fucking in between us when he gets, yeah, <laughs> I've, 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 I'm in a race a few years, but yeah, fucking, and then I crash into a wall. <laughs> That's kind of what he did, to be fair. So he goes and gets this um, big bike, even though he ain't got a clue how to fucking ride it. Um, but a few days later, he took it back to the shop and said, I want to return it or either trade it in for a smaller one. Now, the guys at the shop laughed at him and sort of took piss a little bit because they pre-warned him when he bought it. And I bet he loved that. He didn't fucking listen. So <laughs> Todd was fuming that they were laughing at him. So he said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take it home. I'm going to learn how to ride it and then I'll fucking show you. But two days later, that bike got stolen. So Todd went back to the shop to buy another bike. And the lads in the shop again started laughing at him, saying that they probably stole it because they saw you couldn't know, you didn't know how to ride it, all this lot. So Todd then decided that he was going to start going into this shop every other day. He'd sit on all bikes, ask questions, and let these lads sort of take piss out of him until he went back with his gun. He waited till all the customers had left. He decided to shoe the husband, the wife, the mechanic. And, I take it they own the shop, the husband yep, and the wife. And a young worker. So he basically followed the mechanic into the back. He shot him in the chest three times. The other people obviously heard it, so they came running in. They saw what he'd done. So Todd then shoots the woman who falls to the floor. So the other two lads start running. He shoots the husband in the doorway and the young man outside the shop. He then jumps in his car and drives away. It wasn't until... Fucking hell, mate, can't you take a joke? <laughs> Best thing is, he kept going back. Yeah. He kept putting himself in that situation anyway. So, this didn't get reported until a customer obviously walked into the shop and saw all these bodies and phoned police. The police had absolutely nothing to go on. They had no idea who did it. No cameras? Nothing. So it, that that is strange. That it went unsolved for thirteen years. Just on a side note, that is strange. It was two thousand and three, so it's not, you know, back in Stone Age. Yeah, and we're talking about a motorbike shop. Yep. Which I'm assuming has got a floor full of Brand expensive new bikes, motorbikes, yep. but they've got no cameras. Yeah. So anyway, 
the police have absolutely fuck all to go on. And this goes unsolved for 13 years. And did he kill him? Yeah. All four. All four. Yeah. Dead. Now, when interviewed later, when he gets caught for another crime, and please, out of all cases I've done, and I say go watch the interviews, just watch this fucking man being interviewed. They are all there to, to see. The way he's laughing and joking with the police officers, he is one cocky bastard. Psychopath. Absolutely. No, no emotions, no nothing. He actually said to the police when he were arrested later on that the reason they didn't find none of his prints was because he used his knuckles to open doors and he always wore two pair of gloves, especially when loading any of his firearms. So he even said, laughing, that was one big building and I cleared it in under 30 seconds. You guys would have been proud. That's the kind of man he is. So... While this crowd, obviously, he's done this shooting, he don't get caught, so he goes about living his normal life. We're going to fast forward the 13 years. The case is still unsolved. Todd's a little bit older by this point, and he's a local at a Waffle House. He'd go in, and again, like his female employers, he'd make all waitresses feel really uncomfortable. He'd be rude, say creepy stuff, and it got to a point where they all refused to serve him. Oh, come here. Don't. Oh. Come to daddy. No, don't. <laughs> Too far. Don't. I hope fucking Lee listens to this and he laughs at that part. He'll shudder first and then laugh. So it, they all refused to serve, like no one wanted to serve him and it were all lads that had to go do it. One of these waitresses was 26-year-old Megan and Todd was highly attracted to Megan. He'd make advance after advance, but she'd brush him off. She was really unsettled by him. It's not clear how, but Todd became acquainted with Megan's husband, Johnny. I'm not sure how, where, when, why, but they became friends. Yeah. Johnny were looking for another job, so Todd says, I've got a job. It's for two people and you can have it. So he says to Megan, do you want to come do this job with me? And even though she felt uncomfortable around him, she says, I'll do it as long as we're always together. So the job that they had was to, he were a real estate agent. Yeah. So they were supposed to go in, clean houses, ready for viewings. So they head to this house where obviously they just think they're going to work. But as soon as they got there, Todd said, oh, I've left something in the garage. He comes back with and a gun. I was just going to say, and he's holding an eight-foot dildo. Fuck off. <laughs> That's to come. Um, Todd then shoots Johnny. Takes Fret out first. Yep, in chest. Now, he promises Megan that he's got no intention of hurting her. Even though I've just shot your husband. Yep. I just want you to do what I ask you to do. So he handcuffs her. And he holds captive. It is said that, well, Todd said that at this point he actually had no idea what he was going to do and he just winged it. But according to Todd, Megan's request for pizza and Dr. Pepper every day was starting to irritate him. What, as in, then, why can't she have something fucking different? <laughs> I don't fucking know, but she were irritating him with these demands, right? Fucking same pizza all the time. Mix it up. So, 
he decides to shoot her. Because she's taking piss with pieces. Yeah. <laughs> and Dr Pepper, we shouldn't laugh. Now, her family did report it missing, but they never had any leads on where the where these this couple had gone. Nothing. The following year, in August of 2016, there is 30-year-old Kayla Brown and her 32-year-old boyfriend, Charles Cav- Cavia. They had just moved to South Carolina and, again, were looking for a job. Both were hired by Todd to clean these houses in preparation to sell them. They show up at this house and, again, just disappear off face of earth. I wonder if in interview he said to her, do you like pizza? Because if do you, you do, like Dr. Pepper? I'm not fucking taking you. So, on the 31st of August, they're reported missing and please do what they can to look for them. They go to their house, they notice that the door's unlocked, they've not taken anything, no important documents have gone and the dog was still there. Now, all their friends and family said that they treated that dog like a child and there's no way they would have just upped and left and, upped left, and, left, and left the dog. So... They tried to track Charles's car, couldn't find it, just didn't know where they'd gone. Just over a month after they went missing, a post then appears on Charles's Facebook and just claiming that they're okay and people need to stop looking. But then it's deleted. So one of Kayla's friends decides to write on his wall, basically asking where she is. Charles then would comment back saying she's safe, she's with her husband... And he also did it in the third person, which was strange. So just about two months after the first went missing, police get hold of all phone records, which show their last location was at Todd's house. Just a little bit in between this story. So not only was the strange things being posted on Charles's Facebook, The most bizarre thing for me about this case was this next part. And Todd liked to leave reviews on items he bought on Amazon. (laughs) He was basically using Amazon to buy his kit. Chains, shovels, tape, padlocks, you name it. Todd didn't actually have a clue how Amazon worked and he actually thought he were using dark web. (laughs) So when leaving these reviews, he didn't think he had to hide anything. (laughs) So let me read you a few of these reviews. I'm just going to go and buy my kill kit off Amazon. (laughs) Listen, right. So, a knife that Todd had bought, the review said, haven't stabbed anyone yet, but I'm keeping the dream alive. And when I do, it will be with a quality tool just like this. Five stars. He's giving five stars and he hasn't even used it yet. <laughs> then there was a shackle padlock and Todd wrote, works great. Also, if someone talks back, go old school on them by putting this in a stock, in a sock and beating them. They do not appreciate the hard steel like you will. He then bought a folding shovel and he wrote, keeping the car for when you have to hide the bodies and you left the full size one at home. Doesn't come with a midget, which would have been nice. Five stars. 
You're shaking he's, your he's, head. He's trying to be funny at the same time, isn't he? Yeah. You're shaking your head, but this is true. Like, he left these reviews on fucking Amazon. I bet when it all comes to fruition, these coppers were fucking pissing themselves. Not nice to say, but when you watch some of them interviews, you will probably be quite disgusted with be it, some of, not all, but some of the banter some officers have with him. Yeah. Like some are straight at point, not interested in your shit. And then you can see there's a few others that are, he, he sucks them in. And they're having banter with each other. And it's like... <laughs> On 24 hours in police custody, he went, oh, come this way, my mate. <laughs> and I went, don't fucking call him your mate. He's not your mate. You've, you've just fucking arrested him. Yeah, that was overnight, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, these, these reviews out there for absolutely everybody to see. He actually left one on a chainsaw that he bought that says, works excellent, getting the neighbours to stand still while you chase him with it is hard enough without an easy chainsaw to use. This is this definitely helps, five stars. Now, there were so fucking many of these reviews. When police got hold of these reviews and everything, they were like, who the fuck is this guy? Now, back to what I was saying before, their phones had pinged at Todd's. Yeah. The reviews traced back to, to Todd's. So it all started to fall into place for him. So what they did is they decided to do a massive undercover operation to bust Todd, but they wanted to try and do it where they could hopefully find Kayla still alive. So on the 3rd of November, they send, they deploy two groups of officers, one to Todd's house where... The police actually were shocked to find out he had a girlfriend and a son of 10 years. The police tell him they've got a search warrant, they want to search his house. While, whilst the other group have gone to this derelict farmhouse in which Charles and Kayla had believed they'd gone to clean. Right. Right. Um, so they sent another group to this house to search that. Now... When searching this house, not Todd's house, the farmhouse, they discover his torture chamber, but there's nobody in the house. They obviously see this makeshift chamber with all its chains, its bed, its horrific tools, whatever he liked to use. All that shit. Um... So they start having a look outside and there was a massive blue storage container, you know, the big metal ones, and they started hearing banging. So they get to this container, it's padlocked with six heavy-duty padlocks. Oh, Amazon 9 Yep, <laughs> left a brilliant review. Um, so the police obviously start cutting through and again, there is live footage from the police cutting open this container and going in. So watch that as well. Um, they obviously get in and they find Kayla laid on a mattress with, she's chained up. She looks frail as fuck, as you can imagine. 
she obviously tells them everything she explains that todd had gotten there to do a job he shot charles he then wrapped his body in tarp he then used are they called buckets on front of a tractor yeah he put him in one of them and drove off with him burying him he had, she told the police that Todd had made his intentions very clear. He explained to Kayla that he didn't actually believe in raping anybody. So if she wanted to be of any use to him, she had to comply with his sexual demands. Otherwise, he'll just get rid of her. So although he doesn't class it as raping her. Yeah. You know. That's how he justifies it to himself. Yeah. Even so it's not justifiable. No. So in this building there's quite a few mattresses lined up there's sleeping bags there's ammunition there's chains all over the wall in like different heights and things um illegal guns tools he's obviously used for his gratification just all this awful stuff Kayla told the police that Todd's fantasy was to teach her how to kill people so they could do it together and he also told her how he had planned to kill his girlfriend of 10 years and their son fucking hell he kept telling her that one day stockholm syndrome would kick in and she would actually appreciate all the amazing things he's done for her fuck off todd so going back to the police at the house with todd they get a call saying obviously they found Kayla, so they arrest him. It didn't take long for Todd to start confessing. Um, like I said, I would say it was more on bragging, not confessing. He asked them, the police for a deal. He would tell him everything as long as he could speak to her, his mum hand her a photograph as well as transferring some money into a school fund for his son oh the son that they were going to kill yeah so the police agreed um they asked todd to take the him to charles's body he did but when they got there they also discovered two other bodies which were megan and johnny now like i've said a few times all the interviews are on youtube to watch and just how cocksure this man is it's beyond fucking ridiculous the police bantering with him todd laughing and joking like you said just fucking psychopath there's no no remorse there's no emotions nothing for the people that he's killed now when the, the the interview todd's girlfriend they determined that she had no idea what he were up to what he were doing may the 26 2017 todd um pleads guilty to seven counts of murder two counts of kidnapping and one count of sexual assault the part of the deal that he made was for him to avoid the death penalty so he was sentenced to seven consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole bye todd see there the family of the victims went on to sue Todd and it was only last year in August 2020 that a judge ordered him to pay Kayla $6.3 million. 
I'm not sure how much others got. Um, it's not being publicised. Still to this day, Todd says there are more victims to be found and he went to the papers, putting it out there publicly that he has killed more people, but he told the police they didn't take much notice. They weren't interested. So this were a massive story that were printed in like a massive newspaper of Todd basically saying, yeah, there's more people to, to go find. Todd likes to be the centre of attention. Of course he does. He likes to be in control. He likes to be the centre of attention. And he likes it when things go his way. Yeah. He's a piece of shit. So fuck off, Todd. Don't you rot. He fucking deserves to rot. So my case this time is a recommendation from my eldest son, Owen. So shout out to Owen. This I is have, for you, mate. I've heard just how brutal this is, so... This is about a cunt called Isaiah Sagawa. And he is dubbed the Celebrity Cannibal. Okay. He was born in 1949 on April 26th in Kobe, Japan. He had a younger brother, really good upbringing, Wealthy parents. Isa, I think it is Isa Sagawa, was born prematurely. And it's said that when he was born, it fit in his dad's palm of his hand. He had a disease of small intestine. So, this, this person. I was just trying to think of a word. This man, this cunt. I've already said cunt, so... This and you don't want to be offending dickhead, people. This dickhead was a small man. Right. A bit like you, Callum, but you're not a man, so... Why? <laughs> Why does he have to get brought up all the time? Right, so... So he's going to have small man syndrome then, isn't he? Small people are usually angry. There's not a lot on his uh, early life, but this is a quote. It was in the first grade of elementary school when I saw the quivering meat on a male classmate's thigh. And I suddenly thought, hmm, looks delicious. So we're talking about the first grade. He was a fucking child. And I've got here first grade, 67 years old. And he, he looked at somebody's leg and thought, that looks delicious. Yeah. Wow. They didn't talk about sex in his... Uh, I all they were all very hush hush not that you know I openly talk about sex with my fucking six or seven year old but anyway uh, he had no knowledge of sex no knowledge of masturbation um, and I think I read somewhere something somewhere that when he first got his boner he thought there was something wrong with it right so basically it was a very prude family then wasn't yeah, it, it no, obviously nothing was discussed yeah. not the but there are things in you do need to discuss things with your kids. Yeah. That were never obviously done for him, were it? It's also said that he had bestiality with the family dog. He sought out uh, really creepy fairy tales where humans are eaten, like Hansel and Gretel, stuff like that. Right. Uh, it's he said something along the lines that when he was younger, his uncles used to play monsters. Where he used to grab kids yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And 
they used to pretend to put him in pot. Oh, let's cook him, let's eat him. But this became more than a game for him. No, this become, I'm, I want to do this. <laughs> um, yeah, so when he got his first boner, he thought he was seriously ill. And he ended up seeing a psychologist at the age of 15. So we move on to 1964 and he's 24 years old. He is studying the University of Tokyo. And while he's at this university in Tokyo, he seeks out this tall, beautiful German woman. And he begins stalking her and stalking her. And one night he follows her home. He breaks in and this female is sleeping naked. And he knows that he didn't want to kill her, so he starts just bare trying to eat her and starts on a bum. That's a way to be fucking woken up. Anyway, this woman wakes up, she calls police. Isa is arrested for attempted rape. Okay. Not trying to eat him. Well, anyway, as I told you, Isa's parents are quite rich. Money fucking buys yourself so, out of trouble. Daddy pays the victim somehow and the charges are dropped. But Isis, Isa desires get worse and they get worse. I'm not sure when, but he goes on a holiday and he goes on a cruise to Greece. And he meets a butcher while he's, <gasps> you know, enjoying himself on his holiday. That's... Probably one of the worst combinations, in it? And he's got this massive interest into this butcher's job. About the techniques, the knives. He's taking notes. He even wrote a thank you letter at a later date to this butcher. So in 1981, he graduates from uh, the college in Tokyo and he moves to France to pursue a PhD in comparative literature. He's at a really posh university in Paris, France. So while it's in Paris, every night he fetches home a sex worker and he's trying to build himself up to kill them because he's got these urges of eating people, which we will go into a little bit more. And in one of these classes he meets a, a, a lady called Renee, falls in love with her, Renee Hartvelt. She's a Dutch student. She speaks three languages. And she's teaching him German. He gains a trust. They've got a friendship going on and stuff like that. He writes the love letters, but she friends owns him. She's a healthy, beautiful Dutch girl. So one night, he invites her over for dinner because he wants her to translate these German poems for him. Of course he does. And Isa pretty much says to herself, this is this is the time I'm going to do it. So she's reading these German poems and apparently Isa grabs a rifle and this rifle jams and she hears a noise but he, he palms it off. Right. He gets away with it. When she goes, he promises to himself that he's going to eat this girl. So he's got his sights set on yeah. her. This is after he sniffed and licked a chair. That she's been sat on. So on June 11th, 1981, he spikes the tea of Rene Hartvelt. Back to German poems. He's waiting for Rene to lax. He comes clean about how much he loves her and stuff like that. 
Rene tells him again, you know, we're just friends. And he understands. Isa <laughs> says he understands. Well, it doesn't. <laughs> so, so that's what going on to kill somebody and in them is a level of understanding then. Okay. He gets, again, his twenty-two cal rifle and he shoots her in the neck and she falls dead. In this time, Isa's sort of shocked that he's actually gone through with it. Yeah. And he faints. <laughs> he comes back around. <laughs> I'm sorry, but could you imagine? <laughs> he comes back around and he places a towel underneath Renee's head and starts to undress her. Now, when he's thinking about where I'm going to start, because this dead body on the floor looks like an all-you-can-eat buffet... Fuck off. He starts with her right bum cheek and he uses a fruit knife. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm pretty sure it's not the best thing. Um, he cooks it, he eats it raw, tries it with sauces. He said that some parts of the body melted in his mouth like raw tuna. He didn't like the right cheek he said it was too fatty he he fried parts of her he baked parts of her he ate her breasts he ate the soles of her feet what the fuck and I'm not entirely sure if this is true but he even tried eating her bum hole wow he slept in bed with her whilst he's been hacking away at her yeah next day he gets an electric carving knife and cuts her up into pieces Zip, Ziploc bags in the fridge with parts of her body for him to try at a later date. Oh, and he takes photos of each stage. So he's, he's chopped her up. I'm assuming he's got which parts he, he wants to eat and put them in a doggy bag for later. <laughs> and the rest of poor Rene was dispatched out of his flat in two suitcases. And he decides to take these two suitcases down to the local lake. This local lake is the second largest park in France. And apparently it is three times bigger than Central Park. Wow. So, as you can imagine, it's big, but it's also really fucking popular. Yeah. So, Isa gets picked up at 8 o'clock by this cab driver. Who, ironically, allegedly, says... Well, have you got a dead body in these? Because they're mega heavy. So well, if only you knew, mate. Isa goes to this lake and he finds what he perceives to be a quiet part of the lake. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he's disturbed. But when he's disturbed, he's not near the suitcases. And this man appears and he appears near the suitcases and he says, Are these yours? Isa says no and runs off. Right. Which I'm assuming is like this. Shut up. Because he's only little. <laughs> Don't be a dickhead. So, police come to the scene. People have obviously reported it because they've opened this suitcase and it's got... Body parts in it. Body parts in it. Um, they tell them about this small man, uh, these cases. And somehow the scene photos are leaked, which you can see on Google. Wow. It's pretty rank. Um, 
they get in touch with his cab driver that picked up Isa and Isa is arrested and confesses and says quote I killed her to eat her flesh yeah you did so yeah again daddy gets a top defence lawyer and he's locked up for two years and in that time the judge finds that Isa is legally insane and unfit to stand trial the French courts, because obviously he's in Paris, yeah. France, hold him indefinitely in a mental institution. So I'm not sure when he writes this book, but Isis Sagawa writes a book called In the Fog. And it includes photos from the crime scene and obviously Isis' account. This book sells 200,000 copies and it's a huge media sensation. The French get negative publicity and press and Isa ends up getting deported to a hospital in Tokyo. Psychologists run tests on him and declare him sane, declare him sane but evil and a sex perversion for motivation for murder. Japan wanted to prosecute for the murder but they have no evidence because France held the evidence and the court documents. So with no evidence to link him to this crime they've held him for 15 months. And in August 12, 1986, he checks himself out and he's a free man. Fuck so this off. man is walking about. He's a cultured hero in Japan. Asked to write articles. He becomes pretty famous. He has a comic book strip which you can read about. Talk show appearances. Movies. This guy fucking killed somebody and ate her body. Movies. Porn offers. Fuck off. And in 2009, he got interviewed by Vice, and it's about a 30-minute interview, and it's on YouTube, and it is fucking nuts. It's him as an elder man discussing everything, and it's like this... There's a part where it's pretty weird, like, he's having sex with this young girl. I don't know if it's to video porn or something like that. And he actually tells this girl about what he was arrested for. It is fucking nuts. Oh, I'll have to watch that. But that's why he's called a celeb cannibal. Right, so Isis Zagawa blatantly fucking ate this young girl. Killed admitted her. Admitted to it. And got away with it, hadn't he? And served a few years in a mental institute. Then gets sent back to Japan. And then gets box offers... TV appearances. He basically fucking builds his life off it, doesn't he? Yeah. So, wow. that's Isa Sagawa. For people that want to know more, honestly, watch the 2009 Vice interview because it's fucking nuts. So that's it for... I can't believe that he's not fucking been locked up for a long time. Oh, yeah. He fucking cut her up and put her in doggy bags. He fucking had her sleeping in, next to him in bed. Yeah. And I've got... Like I said, you can uh, see these pictures on the internet. I can just imagine, you know, like when <laughs> you open Sherlock's fridge and there's just fucking brain in jar yeah. and fucking head. Fucking wow. Hell. So yeah, that is a nuts case. Bit brutal that one, Owen. So Isn't it? I hope we, I hope you enjoyed it, Owen. I hope everyone else has enjoyed episode twenty-two. We will be back. Just before Halloween, weren't we? Yeah. We're going to see what we can... 
I'm gonna find some Halloweeny, like a masked killer or something. Okay. Well, I hope you all have a lovely fortnight and see you soon. See you in two.